On this Friday morning now, let's check in with Vaughn Palmer from the Vancouver Sun. Good morning, Vaughn. Good morning, Simi. I would imagine there's a lot of relief right now in government everywhere with this settlement, this negotiated settlement in the port strike. Yeah, a government, federal government, gambled that if you just uh, let the process go on for a bit and then stepped in at the right moment with a mediator's report and gave everybody a deadline, that that would lead to a settlement, and they got it right. Federal Minister Reagan, I think, could take a victory lap on this. And I would say as well, Simi, the B.C. government played a supporting role. The E.B. government did not join the chorus of voices from across the country that said... Ottawa, you know, BC should be calling on Ottawa to intervene. The BC government's line on these things is the best deals are the ones that are freely negotiated, and maybe with a little bit of pressure in this case. Right. But look, uh, this is a vindication for this approach to labor negotiations. It's expensive. Uh, there's no point in pretending it isn't. There was a significant impact on the Canadian economy and the BC economy, but they're back to work already, and I noticed uh, we talked yesterday about Canfor mothballing its pulp mill in Prince George. Uh, they've said uh, we're going back to work there as well. So, you know, uh, I've, I've grumbled a lot about this one, and I certainly, as uh, the listener will know, thought the government should intervene. The government didn't, and I think they look pretty good today. And there's a lot of history for that here in BC. Yeah, yeah. you know, it's interesting to think back. One of the reasons we heard that Ottawa was reluctant to intervene was a Supreme Court of Canada decision that came down 20 years ago now, almost. Uh, the BC government had jumped in uh, when it first took office, the BC Liberals, and imposed a new contract on the hospital employees' union. And the High Court, the uh, case ended up uh, Supreme Court of Canada a few years later, and the High Court noted two things. One, the Liberals had used their legislative majority with 30 minutes notice to the union. The second thing was the High Court pointed out that the Liberals had advice from senior public servants in the government that they should try to negotiate with the union before just busting their contract and using the legislative majority. And the High Court came back and said, look, there is a right to free collective bargaining. It doesn't mean the union wins. It doesn't mean that at the end of the day, the government can't intervene. What it means is you have to respect the process and give it a chance. And I think that is what was vindicated here. The federal government said, we don't want to intervene too soon. We don't want to use the legislative hammer. We want to give the process a chance. They gave it a chance. And look where we are today. Yes, a 13-day shutdown. Yes, damage to the economy. But yes, also a four-year deal supported by the workers, assuming they ratify, and I think they will. And uh, we go on without having to head to use the legislative hammer. And we should talk a bit about the difference that makes, right? Like it just in yeah. terms of the relationship between employers and employees, having a negotiated settlement versus having one imposed on you, that makes a big difference. Yeah, it does. It makes a big difference for long-term labor relations exactly, yeah. in the workplace, for starters. You know, that, that deal that the Liberals imposed on the hospital employees union has taken 20 years for that to play out. There were, there were you know, successive things that were done. Uh, it spilled over into a teacher's contract dispute. It poisoned relations between the Liberals and the labor community. 
And of course, it ensured that, you know, you're going to lose power one of these days. You use your power, you use the legislative hammer, you uh, abuse the rights of the union, and one of these days you're going to be in opposition, right? You're not going to be government forever. And I think that's something that governments with their majorities sitting there smug and saying, oh, we got the power, we can do it. Yes, you can. And someday you'll be in opposition too. And then, you know, you'll realize what it means when the other side starts using its power. Yeah. It, and you're right. It just, it makes such a huge difference. So that's clearly something here in BC. Um, David Eby, I'm sure, is very relieved by all of this. Yeah. Uh, and, to, and to the other premiers too, because the other premiers, I'm sure, were pressuring him at this premier's conference to do something. Oh, absolutely. They were. And, you know, we think about... Uh, uh, you know, the other thing, if the government doesn't ride to the rescue of a labor dispute, doesn't use its power prematurely, the parties have to realize they're stuck with each other. You've got to sit there and negotiate with each other, grueling and frustrating and annoying and time-consuming as it can be. And I'm thinking here of the stand the BC government has taken on that long-running dispute transit services in the Fraser Valley. It's four months now. Now they've sent in Vince Reddy. He's generally thought to be a miracle worker, although he's asking for more time. But again, the real message coming from the BC government is we're not going to be there to rescue you. You've got to work these things out. We still haven't seen the New Democrats do anything more than you know, try to use persuasion, try to offer help, but they haven't used their legislative majority to impose any settlements yet. Okay, we were just talking about tra- like strikes and, and the BC government's philosophy on that. And so it worked in the case of the port strike, but it, it did make me think that perhaps not in every strike because it, we still have this frustrating transit situation out in the Fraser Valley. Yeah, that one has gone on. A long, long time. Yeah. You know, the the students and people who depend on the transit service out there, it's a real test of the government's view that you don't intervene. I mean, the, the, it's one thing to not intervene after a couple of weeks. It's another thing to let it drag on and twist in the wind for four months. So the government did step in and they sent uh, Vince Reddy in. Uh, He's known as the miracle worker and he has a, a long resume of settlements to point to to show that he can do it uh, ready however asked for more time he finds that the parties are dug in still there so if you think about the model that was used here federally uh, what would be the next step for uh, the NDP government well uh, you could ask uh, ready to hurry up and submit recommendations if you can't mediate uh, it's called booking out you write a report and the report says, here's where I think the settlement is. Uh, you can give the parties a bit of a chance to digest that, and then you can step in. But again, this NDP government is extremely reluctant to use the legislative power, uh, partly because uh, you know the labor movement, closely tied to the NDP, still doesn't like uh, imposed settlements. Uh, But also, I think it's a philosophy of labor relations. Harry Baines, the uh, labor minister, former labor leader, so that's where he comes from, is really wedded to this idea that, no, you let the process go. I mean, note, go back to the week before last, O'Regan is out here, the federal minister, and who does he meet with? He meets with Harry Baines, and they haven't said publicly what they said, but 
Baines, I'm sure, said, hey, this government's philosophy is you got to give the process a chance even when it hurts. Uh, this is huge dispute with the ports, hurt the national economy, no question. You're right, Simi. There was pressure coming from yeah. other provinces. But at the same time, you look around today and you go, well, the next time there's a labor dispute in the country, the parties aren't going to go, uh, what's the point of bargaining? Ottawa's going to step in and impose a settlement. No, the message is you guys have to work it out if you can. Uh, you know, I'm sure that when the deal went to the, when the mediator's proposal, Simi, went to the parties yesterday, and they only given 24 hours to think it over, the parties knew that at the end of the day, if they didn't say yes, that probably they were looking at legislative intervention, maybe as early as next week. But you know, that was part of the spur to them to go, this is probably as good as it's going to get. Let's take it. Uh, the union wanted two years. The mediator said four. That's what the companies wanted. But we haven't seen the other terms yet. But I'm sure there were trade-offs that the union could say to its members, we recommend you go back to work. We recommend a settlement because we got some stuff here too and here's what it is. Okay. I also wanted to ask you as well about the fact that the BC government has now decided to join this uh, boycott of ads off of Meta. Yeah, Premier David Eby has joined the national movement, what, province of Quebec, federal government, uh, some organizations, uh, Unifor Union that represents journalists are all saying no more advertising on uh, Meta, They're pulling the ads from Facebook and Instagram. Uh, it's an important gesture, but, you know, I hate to be a curmudgeon on this, Simi, but uh, the BC government spent a million four last year. So $1.4 million on advertising on Meta uh, carriers last year. Um, let's see, Meta's revenues last year were $117 billion. Right. So the BC government just cut off of what Meta makes in about five minutes. So uh, it's an important battle that's going on here, but let's not kid ourselves. These uh, internet giants, these carriers, are enormous. They're bigger than most of the governments in the world when you put them all together. Uh, the American government thought last year uh, about cracking down on them. The company spent something like a quarter of a billion dollars in lobbying to make sure it didn't happen, and it didn't happen. So I don't know if governments can stand up to the power of these corporations. Um, you know, I guess as an individual person, you can say, well, I'm off Facebook or whatever. But seriously, these are some of the most powerful corporations in the world, some of the most powerful corporations that have ever existed. And I don't know if governments can make them change their ways. Uh, I haven't seen the evidence they can yet. Okay. All right. Thank you for that, Vaughn. Bye-bye, Simi.